Welcome to Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined by Griffin Strom as we are now less than one week away from the start of spring football at Ohio State. Uh, also, just one day away from the start of uh, workouts at the NFL Scouting Combine. So, Griffin, after a couple of months, we're finally going to see some on-field football activity here coming up, which is certainly uh, I think a welcome sound uh, to the ears of our listeners. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Uh, it, it feels like it's been a while. Uh, you know, basketball season has kind of taken over my life here as of late, but I am thrilled to get back into the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, start having some of the, you know, spring interview sessions with all the coaches and players and things like that and start gearing up for the next season here. I don't know about you. On one hand, it feels like it's been a while. On another hand, it feels like the Peach Bowl was just yesterday. Time, yeah. time, time flies by. There's always something going on. And as you mentioned, uh, you you've been busy covering the Ohio State basketball team, which which actually got a win on on Sunday. Uh, not not the game we expected, but Ohio State men's basketball did get a win over Illinois on Sunday. Two more games left to go in the regular season against Maryland tonight and against uh, Michigan State on Saturday before uh, their their season likely ends in the Big Ten tournament next week. But going to start out, you know, focusing on football this week and and focusing on uh, first the the current Ohio State football players who will be uh, returning to the field on Tuesday for their first practice of the spring and a spring that I think uh, is going to have a lot of storylines. Of course, all eyes are going to be on the quarterback competition. Anytime you've got a battle for a starting quarterback job, that's going to be uh, the number one story in the spring. Uh, but far from the only story for this Ohio State team, because, you know, I, f- I-, I feel like, you know, I-, I remember last year, like going through spring and I felt like, you know, by the middle of the spring, I felt like we kind of had a pretty good idea already of what the lineup was going to look like. And, you know, there were a couple of things that didn't necessarily quite match up with what we expected. Like, I don't think we were expecting, you know, Mike Hall to emerge the top defensive tackle. You know, we weren't expecting Leif and Ransom to take Josh Proctor's starting job after the first drive of a season. But by and large, I felt like even at this time last year, we had a pretty good idea of what the starting lineup was going to look like. And for the most part, ended up looking that way. Whereas I feel like going into this spring, there's definitely more question marks. I particularly, I think on the offensive side of a ball at quarterback and the offensive line, but you know, even on defense as well, particularly in the secondary, it just feels like there's a lot more of it's unsettled this spring, which, you know, I, on one hand, maybe isn't exactly where the coaches want to be, but on the other hand, I think it makes spring more interesting because I think there's going to be more storylines to follow. And I think, you know, certainly from a player's perspective, there's going to be, you know, plenty of position battles going on and opportunities for guys to try to climb the depth chart. Yeah, for sure, Dan. I feel like we might see, you know, a lot of things change even, you know, and evolve throughout the spring or that some things we see in the spring won't look exactly how they'll end up looking, you know, in the preseason. And by the time the season starts, just because there are a lot of options. I mean, we've been talking about you know, the, the offensive line situation, we've been talking about the secondary a lot, you know, the, 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 the battles at safety and cornerback. Uh, I feel like a lot of different guys are going to get their shots, you know, at some of those positions. And uh, th- those are definitely the two kind of position groups 
you know, outside of that quarterback battle, obviously with Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, you talk about, you know, what, what's going to go on at offensive tackle at uh, center on the offensive line. And then you talk about, you know, maybe that, that second cornerback position and, uh, you know, all, really all the safety spots. Uh, those are going to be really some of the things that I'm really keying in on. And I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. Cause I think those are some of the most interesting situations that, you know, we'll have to look at starting out here in the spring. Yeah, we are expecting to get to watch a little bit of practice on Tuesday. Probably not the whole practice, probably not enough of practice, but we'll be able to come back next week and and tell you the entire depth chart and everything to know about the team. But, you know, we'll at least get a, a little bit of a glimpse that will hopefully uh, give us, you know, some information that we can share with you next week. Griffin, just what if, if you had to pick one thing like that, you're just going into next week, going into that first practice that you're really going to be eyeing. Like, what's that number one thing on your list? I mean, we've talked about it so much like the the, the tackles on the offensive line. I really think and, and I don't know how much we really are going to to glean. You know, we don't know exactly what we're going to watch. Right. So we, it's hard to say, like, we're going to you know, if you're looking at one thing that you're actually going to go in there and, and have major takeaways about that one thing. But I think. That is such a, a major thing for this team, given that Ohio State is going to have a first-year starting quarterback. Obviously, the tackle positions are are so important for the success of a young quarterback. I just want to see, you know, who they who they have out there in you know the, those number one slots. Obviously, we think Josh Fryer is going to be one of those guys. Uh, but who gets time? You know, do we see Tegra Shabola getting some time as a you know a first first string offensive tackle um, after you know getting moved out there and, and things of that nature? Do we see? Zen Mahalski kind of, you know, put a stamp on that position. I think, you know, who who's looking good at, at that position, where guys line up also in terms of right and left tackle, that's going to be uh, something I'm, I'm really keying in on, Dan. How about yourself? Yeah, that's that's right at the top of a list for me as well, because I feel like I feel like there's going to be so much attention on the quarterback battle and with good reason. But my feeling is I think they're going to be OK, like whichever way that quarterback battle goes, like. I think whoever ends up being that starting quarterback is going to end up being pretty good. Like, I mean, will they be CJ Stroud immediately? I don't know, but I think both those guys, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown are really talented. And so while I think it's going to be an interesting battle, I I do feel like whoever emerges from that battle is going to end up being a really good quarterback. I think they have two good options there. I, I, I think the offensive line, I think there really are bigger question marks about are these guys good enough? Is Ohio State going to have to go back to the transfer portal after the spring and add more talent there? And so I think because of that, I, I think that does put the offensive line, you know, for me as the number one thing I'm watching this spring, because I think those guys you just talked about, they they really need to prove themselves this spring. If You know, if you're a Tegra Shabola, you're a Zen Mahalski, you know, even at center, if you're a, you know, Vic Cutler or Carson Hinsman, you know, these guys, they've got to prove that they're good enough to be starting offensive linemen at all at Ohio State. And if they do, great. If they don't, and Ohio State's going to have some real cause for concern, uh, you know, going into the summer, because I think, you know, that certainly is something that, I mean, again, like I said, I think the quarterback's going to be good. We know the wide receivers are going to be good. We know they've got a ton of dudes at running back. That offensive line could make or break whether this offense continues to be elite. And so, you know, I I think, you know, that's certainly as important, probably the most important thing for Ohio State to accomplish this spring is figuring out who it has on the offensive line and if it has five guys that are going to be ready to go this fall. Yeah, Dan, and if that's the number one, you know, kind of priority on offense, 
along with the quarterback position. Uh, Certainly the the secondary feels that way for the defense, I believe, because there's so many moving parts there. You know, we've talked about this a lot already on on previous podcasts, but, you know, is Sonny Styles going to emerge, Dan, as a, as a legitimate, you know, starter in the spring and a number one guy, you know, where does, does Lathan Ransom play? Does he take Ronnie Hickman's position, you know, as the, as the free safety now that Hickman's, you know, off to the combine and things of that nature, uh, does Josh Proctor, does he gain any, any traction after a, you know, slow end to the, you know, 2022 season for him, you know, him coming back and returning is Jihad Carter, a, a, a day one starter for Ohio state. I think a lot of people think so, but you know, a lot of those questions uh, remain to be answered. Are there guys like, you know, Cam Martinez, can he get in the mix there and have uh, his biggest role to date for Ohio state? You know, all of those things are, are, are also of high priority for Ohio state, I believe. And uh, just in terms of what, you know, the defense needs to get accomplished, um, you know, figuring some of that stuff out, but also Jim Knowles talked so much, Dan, about really needing to tighten up on technique fundamentals, getting a lot of that stuff cleaned up because, you know, uh, like he said during his media availability, what was it down on the, on February 1st, the first day of February that, uh, you know, he doesn't think that necessarily schematic, big sweeping schematic changes are the answer and that a lot of, a lot of good things can happen and improvements can be made simply, you know, based on tweaking the fundamentals and fine tuning the, the technical aspects of the game for a lot of those players. Yeah. And I think realistically, if there are schematic changes, we're not going to see them this spring. They're not going to run those things when the media are at practice because they're not going to want to tip their hand on any changes that may be coming. And so, um, you know, I don't expect to see much this spring in in terms of a way of schematic changes. Now, the thing I'm interested in, like, okay, let's say they have the Jack, the Jack linebacker out there. Will we see, is it going to be Jack Sawyer still playing that position or, you know, could we see a CJ Hicks playing that position? You know, Jim Knowles has indicated that, you know, he he doesn't necessarily think it's going to be a position that the traditional linebackers are going to play, that he still seems to uh, be more in favor of, you know, a bigger guy playing that position. You know, we you know Larry Johnson would, would like to keep Jack Sawyer at defensive end, Caden Curry at defensive end. So, again, how much of that will we see and what portions of practice that we see? I don't know, but it's still going to be an interesting storyline to follow. I know, you know, I, I believe at least Jim Knowles is supposed to speak with media uh, the first week. I think linebackers will be as well. So, you know, we'll be interesting to, you know, see what we can glean on that. You know, like you said about the secondary, I, I think probably a lot of our listeners, that's probably very high on their list as well with the way last year ended. Certainly those last two games of the season, Ohio State secondary was not good enough and it, it cost Ohio State all of its major goals. And so, you know, I think certainly that's a, a high priority position as well, uh, both at safety and corner. I mean, I think there's a lot of question marks there at, at both positions. The coaches have indicated that it's going to be, you know, wide open for competition. Now, how wide open will it be? You know, we'll see, you know, is a is Denzel Burke really going to have to compete for a starting job? Is Lathan Ransom really going to have to compete for a starting job? I don't know about that, but I, you know, I do think you just look at both positions. I mean, again, between safety, uh, not including Court Williams because he's going to be unavailable this spring. But if you look at, you know, Lathan Ransom, Jahad Carter, Sonny Styles, Josh Proctor, you know, Cam Martinez, you know, Kai Stokes, you know, that's six guys right there who could be in the mix for starting jobs at safety. At corner, you've got Denzel Burke, Davison Igbenosin, Jordan Hancock, Jair Brown, you know, maybe even a Jermaine Matthews. 
or Ryan Turner. Calvin, Calvin Simpson Hunt won't be there until this summer. But I think at both those position groups, you've got a lot of different guys who you know have a chance to really push their way up that depth chart uh, and make things interesting. And I, and I think another thing I'm interested in too is, and again, we're not really going to know this this spring because like Jim Knowles even mentioned that you know Tommy Eichenberg is going to be out this spring and that Steele's probably not going to get a ton of reps this spring too as they're going to want to get more of those young guys reps during the spring but I know one of the big questions I have is will that carry over to the fall we saw last year that you know Jim Knowles said he didn't really want to rotate much at linebacker in the secondary and they didn't but you know I think if that strategy became more questionable with the way some of those players struggled in in the last two games of the season and so does that maybe prompt Jim Knowles to rethink his philosophy a little bit and maybe mix in some more guys at those positions, maybe have some more packages at those positions that can help them match up against different styles of teams. And so, uh, you know, I think that's something, again, are we going to get any concrete answers on it this spring? Doubtful, but I think it's something the coaches should be experimenting with and we may get some clues over the course of the spring about which way they're leaning there. Yeah, and you mentioned some of the injuries for Ohio State this spring, and, and that's going to give opportunities maybe to some players that wouldn't otherwise get them in, in some of these sets here in the spring. You know, perhaps even one of the, you know, some of the 11 early enrollees for Ohio State, the incoming freshman, also Dan, five transfers coming in for Ohio State. You know, which which guys out of maybe both of those groups, Dan, are you going to keep the closest eye on uh, once we start getting into the Woody here? Yeah, I mean, to, to start with the early enrollees, uh, you know, certainly I, mean, I, I just I just mentioned Jermaine Matthews. I think he's going to be an interesting guy because I just think back to two years ago when the cornerback depth chart was unsettled and we saw De- Denzel Burke have, you know, a good spring. People were really talking him up at the end of spring and that ended up resulting in Denzel Burke becoming the number one corner during the fall. So, you know, while I don't necessarily, well, I'm not going to predict that for Jermaine Matthews. I, I, it's one of those things that when you just look at the unsettled depth chart right now, it's, it's not out of a realm of possibility. And so he's certainly someone, uh, you know, I'm, you know, going to be keeping an eye on you. They, they have a lot more early enrollees on the offensive side of the ball than they do on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I think, you know, the only guys they have on defense are, uh, Jermaine Matthews, Malik Hartford, and and Will Smith Jr. And so, if you look at those guys on defense, J- Jermaine Matthews would be, you know, really, really the guy that you would look at as, you know, maybe having an opportunity to earn immediate playing time a- as a freshman. You know, I think offensively, I- I'm going to be really interested to see where those wide receivers factor in. Those being uh, Carnell Tate, Noah Rogers, Bryson Rogers. You know, you know, we talked about, you know, all the depth Ohio State has at receiver. And, you know, we know they've got, you know, the four second year receivers who didn't play a lot last year, uh, but are certainly going to be hoping to try to find a role this year. You know, Jaden Boward going into his third year, he's a guy that's still trying to earn a role. You know, Xavier Johnson's a guy we saw whenever he played last year, he made plays. So, you know, he's got a factor in somewhere. And then you've got, you know, such a loaded starting lineup with Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Buka, Julian Fleming. But we already know Emeka and Julian are going to be out this spring. Again, kind of like, you know, for linebackers, you would think that they're probably not going to over rep Marvin Harrison Jr. this this spring. I mean, I'm sure they're going to ha- want him out there some just to build rapport with those quarterbacks, though. I think he's got a pretty good rapport with Kyle McCord already. But 
Um, you know, they, you know, they're probably not going to overwork him either. And so that should open up opportunities for all those other receivers. And, you know, I'm interested to see, can a Carnell Tate, can a Noah Rogers, can one of those guys make an immediate move to where they're in the two deep right away and to where, you know, they can make a case to Brian Hartline, that Hey, you know, you can't, you can't keep me off the field for long. You know, I mean, we, you know, we know it's going to be hard for any of those guys to earn a major role in the offense this year. But, you know, we've certainly seen, you know, freshmen, uh, you know, earn some snaps at that position here in recent years, whether that's Harrison and Abuka or whether that's, you know, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. And so, you know, can can any of those guys make that immediate impression? That That's really where my eyes are going to go on the early enrollees on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, Dan, I have the same, really the same three guys there in terms of early enrollees, t- talking Carnell Tate, Noah Rogers, and Jermaine Matthews. Uh, those guys I will certainly have my eyes on. Uh, in terms of transfers, Dan, uh, I think Davison Igbenosin is, is really perhaps the most interesting guy, certainly on, on defense, just because um, I, I think we feel more confident in Jihad Carter's potential as a, uh, you know, day one starter for Ohio State at safety. Igbenosin, though, we've been talking about how you know, he's still such a young guy. He could be a guy that that still has years to develop in the program uh, and might have to wait a little bit longer to be a star, uh, starter at corner. Uh, but he'll certainly be right in the mix there with some of the guys you named uh, earlier with, with Jordan Hancock, Jair Brown, et cetera, for that second cornerback role. So that's definitely a guy that, that I'm going to be watching in terms of transfers. And then, of course, on offense, uh, Victor Cutler, for sure, when you talk about that that battle for the starting center job with Luke Whipler, you know, participating in the, the uh, scouting combine here coming up this week, Dan. Um, So those are going to be the two most interesting transfers for me. And I'm assuming that those are probably the two most interesting for you as well. Yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, I think Igbenosin is going to be, you know, definitely an interesting guy because, you know, I've certainly just from, you know, reading, you know, comments on, on stories from, you know, some of our, our readers that, you know, I've gotten the impression that, you know, fans, really think Igbenosin is going to come in and, and start right away. And he's a clear starter. Um, you know, I think a lot of fans think that, you know, he's a, more locked in as a starter than Denzel Burke is. And and I, I, I mean, I don't personally think that's the case, but we might have a better idea a, a week from now. Now, you know, typically we've seen in the past where a lot of times they don't necessarily, you know, the, the transfers in their first practice they might not be at the front of a line in their first practice. So I don't even know if a Jihad Carter is going to be at the front of a line in his first practice just because he's a transfer there. They're probably going to want to make those guys earn it a little bit. Um, and so we may not get a, a clear picture on day one of where exactly those guys uh, factor in, in in terms of potential starters. But, you know, certainly I think, you know, you know those, you know, three guys in particular, you know, are the guys – that you're going to be looking at, you know, I mean, you know, a Tristan Gebbia at quarterback, you know, we might see him take some reps, but you wouldn't think he's going to take a lot of reps away from Kyle McCord and Devin Brown this spring, you know, John Furman, the long snapper from Arizona state, you know, he's probably going to be the long snapper considering that, you know, Bradley Robinson and Mason Arnold are gone. But I think, you know, certainly those three other guys, Jihad Carter, Davison, Igbenosin and Vic Cutler, you know, they're all going to be in, you know, you know, very real competitions for starting jobs this spring and, uh, you know, how well those guys come along, whether those guys are what Ohio State thinks they can be, uh, could be really important to the health of Ohio State's secondary and offensive line this year. And we've already mentioned several of these names already, but in terms of just players who who need to step up the most this spring, uh, who do you think fits that bill? 
still on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, one guy I mentioned that I think certainly jumps to mind for me is Jaden Ballard because you know just how loaded Ohio State is at wide receiver. You know, by by the summer when Brandon Innes arrives, you know, there's going to be eight receivers who are either freshmen or redshirt freshmen or sophomores on the roster. And so for a guy like Jaden Ballard, to me, this this kind of feels like a now or never moment for him. Like he he's got to really kind of establish himself now, you know, going into that third year, or he's probably going to get passed up by some of those guys behind him. And, you know, again, I mean, I mean, he was on the two deep last year. So, you know, I'm not even necessarily saying that, you know, he's not in a position to be ahead of those guys. But I think now is the time you really want to see him make that jump to where he's really ready to play, you know, where he he's a guy that you can, you know, mix in there when you need him in the rotation and feel good about having him out there and, you know, being able to make some plays at the first team offense. And so, you know, he, he's a guy that, that really jumps to mind for me as somebody who, you know, I think this is going to be a big spring for. Yeah, Dan, how about Zen Mahalski, a name we already mentioned, but just, you know, we're talking about how important that that tackle battle is for Ohio State and, and just figuring out, really assessing, assessing the talent that Ohio State actually has in-house right now at tackle, you know, going into the spring. Because, you know, if Ohio State ends up seeing that, you know, a guy like Zen Mahalski can't cut it at tackle and, and the, the need to bring in a, a transfer guy after the spring is going to become, you know, a, a whole lot greater for Ohio State. So that's a guy that if he can step up and and, and, and break out this spring as a guy that can hold down potentially the, the starting left tackle position for Ohio State. I mean, that would absolutely be huge for him. Um, another guy, Dan, uh, on offense for the Buckeyes, G. Scott, a guy that that we've been you know waiting to see if he can get a bigger role on offense for Ohio State since moving over from wide receiver to tight end. Obviously, we assume he'll, he'll still be behind Cade Stover, you know, once the season begins and everything like that. But you know, could he cement himself as the number two tight end? Can he make himself a bigger weapon in this offense? We did see him get more playing time this past year than ever before at tight end, but it still wasn't, you know, some massive role for Ohio State. And, you know, with, with his pass catching ability, you know, it, he would seem to be a guy that could be a big threat as a pass catcher for Ohio State at that tight end position. We just haven't seen a whole lot of that, Dan. And this is certainly a spring where you would think that, you know, a couple years of tight end now, he would he would start positioning himself towards having a bigger role if he's going to get one for Ohio State. Yeah, I think for both him and Joe Royer, this is a big spring because those are both guys who are now going into their fourth year at Ohio State. And so, you know, you you look at, you know, building depth at tight end, you know, those are the two guys that, you know, you would look at, you know, being, you know, that second and third tight end in some order. And so I think, you know, this this is a big year. Uh, for for those guys, I, I think you know the expectations were maybe a little bit higher going into last year for those guys than what we actually saw from them. And I mean, some of that was a fact that neither of us thought Cade Stover was going to catch thirty six passes last year. So Cade Stover became more of a factor as a receiver than than we predicted. And I think that you know limited the playing time that was available to G Scott and Joe Royer. But nevertheless. You know, particularly a guy like G. Scott, like you mentioned, you think about the hype that he came in with at Ohio State and really three years into his Ohio State career. I mean, what's his most memorable moment? It's it's the headbutt in the Michigan game. And so, you know, that, you know, that's a guy who I think certainly, you know, expectations are a lot higher for than, than what we've seen from him so far. And I think, you know, he's certainly very motivated uh, to prove that he 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 is still that player, but he can be a weapon 
for, for Ohio State. And I think, you know, this is a year of it. You know, he he's kind of got to make it happen because, you know, you know, you got a guy like Jelani Furman coming in. You know, there's going to be other guys, you know, trying to move up the depth chart behind him. You know, if he doesn't really, you know, solidify himself in a role this year, uh, you know, go going to the other side of a ball on defense. You know, a name you mentioned before that, you know, I think, you know, jumps to mind for me as a guy that this is a big spring for is Cam Martinez, because he he's a guy that, you know, we, we've heard, you know, coaches talk highly about, you know, I know Jim Knowles just did at the start of February. Uh, talking about, you know, you know, he's a guy that, you know, they've seen good things from when he's healthy, but we haven't really seen it on the field yet. Like, we you know, we've seen him mix in at times, but again, like what's his most memorable moment from last season? It's giving up a 75 yard touchdown in the Michigan game. So, you know, I think he, you know, he's another guy that going into his fourth year, you know, this feels like kind of a pivotal moment for him, especially when you talk about guys like Sonny Styles and Kai Stokes, who are trying to make a move up the depth chart in their second year at Ohio State? You know, it, you know, it feels like you know the time is now if Martinez is going to carve out a role. And what might that role look like? It's hard to say with a guy like Jihad Carter coming in and potentially being that starting nickel safety. But you know, I think you know Cam Martinez is a guy that you know they they still feel like can be a contributor in in, in that secondary. But you know, going into year four. You know they they've kind of got to figure out what that role is. Yeah, Dan, I, I I kind of feel like if Ohio State really did think that Cam Martinez was ready to to really lock down like that nickel safety spot right now, that you know you you wouldn't have seen two straight years of of bringing in a transfer guy at that exact position. But you know he is the guy. He's played multiple safety spots before. We have seen him pick off a pass back in the 2021 season. So certainly a guy with speed and playmaking ability. Another guy we already mentioned is Josh Proctor who, you know, we talked about Lathan Ransom really just squeezing Proctor out of the starting lineup by the end of the year. But the decision by Proctor to come back after the season definitely surprised me a little bit. And so you you would think that he has faith in himself and, you know, that the coaching staff thinks that he can have a role on this defense this year. Uh, maybe we will see that uh, come to fruition this spring uh, if he's able to, you know, gain back some momentum here in the spring after the way the last season ended. Well, we're going to have a lot more to talk about next week with spring football. Uh, looking forward to that being back at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center next week. And, you know, we'll be back uh, next next Wednesday to talk about, you know, everything we learned from watching uh, that first practice and talking to Ryan Day and, and some of the other coaches and players uh, after the first day of practice next Tuesday. So uh, certainly going to talk about that much more next week want to shift gears now and, and talk about the nfl combine coming up this week uh, i'll be in indianapolis all week uh to you know cover uh those festivities for uh eight former ohio state players who will be working out this week those players are cj stroud jackson smith and jigba paris johnson jr dewan jones luke whipler zach harrison cam brown and ronnie hickman and you know, obviously, you know, there's the annual debate of how much does the combine really matter? I mean, we've seen all these guys play football a lot. Most of these guys, I think actually all of these guys were basically multi-year starters. I guess the only one who really wasn't was was Jackson just because he was he was hurt 
all year this year. But, you know, most of these guys were multi-year starters for Ohio State. And so we've seen them play a lot of football. You know, that's ultimately the most important part of the evaluation. But nevertheless, you know, this is the one time where all the top draft prospects are all together in the same place to be evaluated in in the same place. And I I do think there's a lot of storylines for these Buckeyes this week. Uh, you know, certainly starting with C.J. Stroud, who uh, is going to be throwing this week, uh, was reported at the beginning of a week that uh, Bryce Young, his top competition to be the number one quarterback, will not be throwing this week. And so, you know, that that gives C.J. Stroud an, an opportunity to make his case for for QB one. And, and certainly there are going to be a lot of eyes on him. When, when he throws the ball on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, he can, with, with a great performance, you know, in the combine. And, and like you mentioned, it's always, you know, a, a point of debate. Well, what does uh, a great performance in some of these workouts mean? Uh, we've seen in the past with, you know, guys like like Zach Wilson and whatnot and, and, and having a great, whether it's a pro day or et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, you see different results once they get in the league. But, you know, the fact that Bryce Young isn't throwing and Stroud is certainly gives Stroud the opportunity to, you know, get people buzzing, get people talking about him. The fact that he was willing to go there and throw uh, when some of the other top quarterbacks, you know, like a Bryce Young was not. So certainly an opportunity there for him to increase his standing even more, Dan. How much can you really learn from watching a guy throw the ball against air? I mean, I, I don't know you know, how much there there really is to learn there. But I think, you know, one thing is I think it it's more it's it's not that you know, especially as a thrower, it's not that CJ really has to prove anything, but it's more that he can remind everybody how good a thrower he is. Because, you know, you, you know, you've seen, you know, there's, there's always the, the discussion leading up to the draft and, you know, the perceived rising and falling of players on boards. And, you know, I know over the past week, there's been talk about, you know, Anthony Richardson from Florida, you know, even though CJ was, you know, if you look at their college stats, there's not even any comparison between CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson, but yet there's been some talk that man, maybe Anthony Richardson could be the number one pick in the draft. You know, Will Levis from Kentucky, another guy who was not as successful in college as CJ Stroud, but, you know, people like his, his tools and his upside. Some people have talked about, you know, he could be the first or second quarterback drafted. And so, you know, I think certainly scouts are going to be looking at, okay, how does, how crisp does CJ look in comparison to Will Levis, to Anthony Richardson? And I think it's a chance for CJ, you know, if he can have the kind of workout he's capable of to kind of show, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm the best passer in the draft. I'm the most accurate passer in the draft. And, you know, certainly anything he can do to, you know, kind of cement that idea is going to help him uh, come the end of April uh, when, you know, the teams are actually drafting these quarterbacks. You know, that that said, I, I think for me, the thing I'm more interested to see in CJ, assuming he does a full workout, is I'm interested to see his athletic testing numbers. What does he run the 40 in? How does he look in, you know, other drills? And he may not do all of them. He might, you know, wait until Ohio State's pro day to do some of those things. But I almost think running a fast 40 probably the biggest thing that could help CJ because obviously the, the big question on him, the big knock on him is that he didn't run the ball that much at Ohio state. We did see him show a little bit more of that against Georgia in the peach bowl, but that, I mean, unless you go back to that game against Michigan state when he was a true freshman and he ran for a long touchdown, 
other than that, you know, those are really the only times we really saw him him show that at Ohio State. And so that's certainly still a question that NFL scouts have. I mean, I think the bigger question they're going to ask isn't whether CJ is athletic enough. It's going to be more how willing is he to run uh, when he gets to that next level? You know, how much of that, you know, really was Ryan Day holding him back and how much of that was CJ maybe just not really wanting to run? I think those are the questions that he's certainly going to get asked during team interviews this week and that, you know, he's going to have to answer. But, you know, I think if he could go out there and run a he's not going to run a four four like a Justin Fields. We know that. But if he can go out there and run a good 40 time, uh, you know, I, I think that could certainly answer some questions just about his ability to be a threat with his legs as needed at the next level. Yeah, Dan, beyond the quarterback position here, what about Paris Johnson, who can certainly state his case for being potentially the top offensive tackle taken in the draft? And it's it would seem, Dan, that a calm mind setting would certainly suit the sensibilities of a Paris Johnson, who is you know extremely athletic, uh, you know, with, with that being really one of his best attributes. Yeah, when you look at, you know, the top tackles in the draft, you know, right now, most people have in some order, Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern and Broderick Jones from Georgia. And out of those three guys, I think Paris is the most natural athlete of the three. And so I think the combine is an opportunity for sure for Paris to make a case that he's the best offensive tackle in the draft. I mean, he's when they do measurements, you know, he's going to measure in as the tallest and the longest of those guys, you know, you know, their, their weights, I'm not sure about, but I know, you know, in terms of like his length, he's the tallest of those guys. He's the longest of those guys. And so that's going to be one point in his favor. And then if he can back that up uh, with a really good workout on the field, he's a guy who has a really good chance to be the first offensive tackle drafted and potentially be a top 10 pick. And so I, I do think the combine setting is going to suit him well uh, and, and play to his strengths, you know, really in all areas as well, because you have to think, you know, he's a guy that's, that's going to ace the the interview process with NFL teams as well, because he's always been somebody, you know, anybody who's talked to him knows that, you know, he he's a very smart guy. Um, and he, he's very good at uh, explaining himself and, and answering whatever questions he gets asked. And so uh, my feeling is that he's somebody who should shine in the interview room as well. And I actually think what I'm most interested in in the entire combine, as far as Buckeyes are concerned, is the performance of Jackson Smith and Jigba because we we didn't see him very much this past season. There's been so much discourse among, you know, analysts, former players, et cetera, about you know, whether it was the, you know, him not playing at the, at the end of the season, or is he still considered wide receiver one in this draft class? Uh, he can certainly remind people of, you know, what everyone was saying about him coming into this, this past season at the combine. Although Dan, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the kind of the thought is that he doesn't necessarily possess the absolute top end speed um, of, you know, maybe some other wide receivers. And so that, that makes his his own 40 time, all the more interesting to see what kind of numbers he can put up in that, you know, competition. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, certainly the combine is important for Jackson Smith and Jigba because of the fact that he didn't play at all last year. So number one, he, he's got to prove that he's healthy. Number two, he's got to prove that he's fast because as you mentioned, there have been a lot of questions uh, about his speed. And so this is going to be his, you know, opportunity to to really show, you know, just just how fast he is. And, 
you know, I mean, one thing I, I mean, one thing I think of is I just think back to last year and and there were some people questioning Chris Olave's speed before the combine last year. And then he ran a sub four, four, same thing with Garrett Wilson. And so I'm inclined to believe that Jackson might run a little faster than, than people think. I, I don't think that he's going to run as fast as Olave and Wilson did last year. I'm not expecting a sub four, four from Jackson, but I think he breaks four or five. I'm, I'm going to say something around that four, four, eight range. I think if, if Jackson can break four or five, I think that would be a big win for him. I mean, even if he's in the low four fives, I, I think that would be okay because of the, the kind of player he is, you know, as kind of that shifty slot receiver. I, I think he's going to put up great numbers in drills like the 20 yard shuttle and the free cone drill, because those are really tests of, you know, your quickness and your change of direction. And so I would think that he'll really excel in those drills, but I think if he can, if he can go sub four five and a 40, I think that would be a win for Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, and I think would help uh, establish him as the potential top wide receiver in this draft. Yeah, Dan, I was trying to find some like previous 40 times for JSN before we started recording this here. And uh, I was seeing like maybe out of high school, he ran like a four, four, six, zero, or maybe a four, five, nine, something like that. Um, I, I would need to double check those numbers for sure. But you would certainly think that he would have improved his speed over the last you know few seasons at Ohio State. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm gonna, If I'm going to throw a prediction, I'll, I'll go. I'll say that it's in the four or five range. I say that he won't he won't crack. uh he won't go sub four or five, Dan. Now, speaking of, you know, high school 40 yard dash times, Zach Harrison is another guy that I'm going to be really watching this week at, at the combine, because this is a guy who was clocked running a four, four, seven 40 in high school. And if he could come any, anywhere, even close to that, uh, this could be a huge week for Zach Harrison, because this is a guy who was listed at Ohio state at six foot six, in 272 pounds. Now, I don't necessarily expect him to actually run a sub 4540 at the combine, but I do think he's going to run fast. And I think, you know, to me, I look at Zach Harrison, you just look at his athletic profile, you know, you just look at his history. To me, he's one of those guys that I feel like is tailor-made for the NFL combine and one of those guys that I think he could have a really big week in Indianapolis and if he does, it could really propel him up the draft board for sure. Dan. And how about uh, another guy in, in that mix there, Dewan Jones uh, for Ohio State. We, we look at just what, what, you know, in his limited time at the senior bowl and just the, everything that came out about his measurables and his, his wingspan and height and everything like that. And how that blew everybody away uh, there, even though he, it was only what Dan, like one day that he actually participated because he ended up uh, getting injured. But um you know, that's a guy that you also would think that a combine setting where they're they're measuring you and, and everything like that, that it would get garner him some positive buzz as well as he tries to make a push towards potentially being a first round draft selection uh, coming up here. Yeah, I, I think it'll be an interesting combine for DeWand. I think certainly, you know, the the movement skills and, and how he does in that athletic testing is certainly going to be what scouts are looking for for him because they already know he's big. Uh, they already know from his senior role measurements how big he is. They already know just from looking at him how big he is. But I think they'd actually like to see him weigh in a little bit lighter at the combine than he did at the senior bowl. And so we'll see if he does. He weighed in at 375 uh, at the senior bowl. He told me that his goal was to get down to 360. And so, you know, we'll see where he ultimately uh, weighs, weighs in at. 
but you know, I think for him, a, a lot of it is you know how how fluid does he look in the movement drills on the field? I mean, we know that he's a very good athlete for his size, but how good? I think that's what the combine can really show us of a guy like him. I mean, he told me his goal was to run sub five into forty. That would be that would be something. I don't know that I'll predict that will actually happen, but. Uh, if he could pull that off, that would certainly uh, turn a lot of heads. But, you know, I think even, you know, for, for him, you know, you you have to when you look at the raw numbers for him that come out this week, you, you have to factor in the size and you can't just look at, OK, like how does Dewan's numbers compare to Paris? Like Paris should put up better numbers than than Dewan in, in the testing. But with Dewan, you have to look at, OK, how do his numbers compare to other comparable comparably sized players in past years so i think that's something that nfl teams are going to be look at looking at but you know i mean i think he's a guy that i I think he should put up pretty impressive numbers for a guy of his size and i think if he can you know if he can be you know above average with his testing numbers and then you compare that with his size i think nfl scouts are going to be Really intrigued by his potential. And I don't think Dewan Jones is going to be challenging Cameron Brown's 40 time uh, during the combine here uh, because, of course, Cam Brown, Dan, for a long time has been, you know, rumored to be the the fastest player on the Ohio State roster. Uh, He even said in 2020 he called himself the fastest DB in college football, Um, a, a guy that Dan really needs to run a great time and, and to, to get some, some good buzz going for him at the combine, because right now, you know, it's, it's no guarantee that he is going to be drafted. And so if he can, you know, rip off a, just a ridiculous 40 time as you know, we think he might be capable of doing that could certainly do good things for his draft stock coming up here. Yeah. I mean, what I think one of the fun things about the combine is a lot of times you hear these guys, they talk about how fast they are and how, how, how fast they'd run, but they never really want to tell you like exactly how fast they run. And so now, now you got to Now you got to prove it. Now you got to, you know, put up or shut up. Right. And so, you know, I think certainly Cam Brown's a guy that, you know, he, he is, you know, he has said that he's very fast now, you know, again, that was in 2020, he's had a lot of injuries since then. And so I think, you know, that's the question is, you know, even if he was that fast, is he still that fast? I think that's the thing that, that he's got to prove uh, here this week. I mean, I think the most important thing for him this week is going to be the medical exams. I think, you know, getting a clean bill of health and, you know, we're not going to necessarily know how those go. That's going to be more just for the NFL teams to know. But, you know, I think that's the number one thing for him. You know, he's missed 12 games over the last three years of various injuries. And so, you know, certainly the team doctors are going to look at those results of his exams and they're going to have to gauge those and say, okay, does this guy have a predisposition toward being injured more or has he just had bad luck? at Ohio state. And so, you know, those medical exams are probably the most important part of a week for him. But then I think certainly you just look at where can he bolster his draft stock? Uh, Certainly. I think the 40 yard dash is an opportunity to do that. If, if he can back up what he said and he can run four, two or a low, low four, three 40, if, if he can do that, then it would be hard to imagine him not getting drafted. You know, and I think, you know, you know, he could certainly use that boost of momentum because I think right now he's a guy who's, you know, kind of on that fringe of maybe he's a late round pick, maybe he's an undrafted free agent, but certainly, you know, he's the kind of guy that I think has the potential to have the kind of combine workout 
that could give his draft stock a big jolt. Dan, the two players we haven't mentioned yet uh, that are going to be at the combine for the Buckeyes are, are, are Luke Whipler and Ronnie Hickman. Uh, just how big is the combine for them, Dan? How much do you feel like they stand to gain in terms of draft stock at the combine? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I see either of those guys being a combine star, but, you know, certainly I, I think, you know, for, for those guys, this week is probably more about you just kind of checking the boxes. You know, I think like Luke Whipler, like if Luke Whipler ended up being one of the top performers in the bench press, that wouldn't surprise me because, you know, typically, you know, that's a that's a drill that favors center and guards over longer arm tackles. Like I wouldn't expect Dewan to put up a big number in the bench press, even though he's so big, just because he's got crazy long arms. And that's usually a disadvantage in the bench press. So like I if I were to guess like which Buckeye offensive lineman will put up the biggest number on the bench, I, I would go with Luke Whipler to be that guy. And so, you know, I, I think, I think Whipler should have a good combine. I mean, I think, you know, he showed plenty of athleticism at Ohio state. And so, you know, I would think that, you know, he will have a pretty good showing at, at the combine. I, you know, I don't necessarily know that he's going to be somebody who blows people away with his numbers, but I, I would think that he'll, he'll test pretty well. And, you know, if he, if he does so, I think he can, uh, you know, kind of establish himself as a, you know, solid, likely day two kind of draft pick. Uh, I think, you know, that's kind of what he's trying to solidify this week. Uh, you know, I think certainly for Ronnie Hickman, you know, I think he's a guy that could use some positive momentum because he ended the season with the opposite of that. You know, those last two games against Michigan and Georgia certainly were not his best games as a Buckeye uh, and were not good games at all for uh, the defense or specifically the safeties. And so I think he's a guy that I felt more optimistic about his draft status before those games than I did after them. And so I, I think he could definitely use some momentum on his side here. I mean, you know, again, is he a guy that I see running a blazing fast 40? No, but if he could break four or five, like that would be awesome for him. I think, you know, really for a safety, I mean, I think as long as he's under four, six, that's okay. But I think, you know, if he, if he could run like a, you know, a, a something into four fours, that could, that could certainly bolster his draft stock. You know, if he can put up, uh, you know, good numbers, but, you know, I think as long as he puts up, you know, solid numbers across the board, nothing, you know, that would be a disqualifying number. You know, he's a guy that I see probably going somewhere in those, you know, middle, middle to late rounds. I mean, there was a mock draft a couple of weeks ago that, that had Ronnie Hickman going in the first round, which kind of shocked me. But if you look at other projections, most of them have him in kind of that four, fifth, sixth round range, which I think right now is probably more realistic for Ronnie Hickman. Dan, any surprise from you that guys like uh, Teron Vincent, Tanner McAllister, won't be at the combine or any other Buckeye that you feel like may be deserving of a spot there. I was a little surprised that Teron Vincent didn't get invited. I, I I thought, I mean, shoot, his his dad is like one of the most powerful people in the NFL. I thought that would help his chances, but I guess it's a it's a it's a good thing not to see uh, that that he would get preferential treatment because of his dad being the EVP of football operations. But I'm a little surprised that he didn't get the invite. You know, I I think he's a guy, you know, kind of like Cam Brown, but I think he's kind of on that bubble of maybe being a late round pick, maybe being an undrafted free agent. And if you're just going to read the tea leaves here with a combine invites, you know, those would suggest that Cam Brown probably has a better chance of actually being drafted than Teron Vincent does. But he's definitely the guy that surprised me the most not getting an invite. 
you know, you know, you know, Tanner McAllister's a guy that I still feel like he he's a draftable player. Like I, I think he's a guy that you know teams are gonna uh, certainly be looking at closely at Ohio State's pro day. You know, and I remember when I talked to him in January, he even said at the time that he wasn't overly concerned about whether he got that combine invite because he felt the pro day would be just as good an opportunity since you know all thirty two teams are expected to have representatives at that on March twenty two. But I wasn't necessarily surprised that he wasn't invited just because, yeah, I haven't really seen him in any of the mock drafts. You know, I think most people right now think he's probably an undrafted guy. You know, same with, a you know, Jerron Cage and a Mitch Rossi. The only one that really surprised me not being invited was Teron Vincent. But, you know, I do think, you know, that's going to carry some intrigue over to Ohio State's pro day because I think there is, you know, a solid group of guys there between, you know, Teron Vincent, Tanner McAllister, Jerron Cage, Mitch Rossi, and then a couple specialists as well, uh, Noah Ruggles and Bradley Robinson, you know, those guys will be working out at the pro day since they weren't invited to the combine, along with all these guys that were invited to the combine. And so certainly going to be some intrigue there as well coming up but i'd say the only one the only one that really surprised me not being invited was teron vincent well guys dan will be our lone 11 warriors representative down there for the combine stay locked in with 11 warriors and dan hope uh for coverage on all of that stuff coming up but dan we have to talk about a a, a cataclysmic event really that, that took place in the schottenstein center when hell froze over so to speak on sunday with ohio state picking up its first win and what feels like eternity but really really it's it's first win of the month dan in its last game of february because ohio state had last one on january 21st subsequent nine game losing streak uh you know it 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 felt like dan that that penn state game might have been the best matchup for ohio state in terms of getting maybe its last win of the regular season and after they lost that one it was like okay they had a better performance against the Nittany Lions, but it still didn't result in a win. I don't think anyone was expecting quite as good a performance from Ohio State as they put forth against the Illini, who had already beaten them back in Champaign uh, in January. And Dan, that game ended up being a, you know, back in January, that game ended up being a single-digit margin of defeat for Ohio State, but I think they were down by as many as 18 at one point, so it wasn't even really, you know, a great matchup in that one. Ohio State comes back, Dan, and, and ends up beating Illinois 72 to 60 in a double digit margin of defeat in the rematch to even the season series with the Illini. And Dan, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, where's this team been for, you know, really since the start of the new year, because it certainly looked like a different team and, you know, hearkened back to a team that we saw the potential of a team we saw earlier in the season before Ohio state went through all these tumultuous times and struggles here as of late. Yeah. I really didn't see that one coming. I mean, especially, you know, I think we we both thought that Thursday would be the best opportunity for Ohio State to win uh, another game in a regular season against Penn State, and and they did play better in that game. We did see some some progress from Ohio State in, in that game. You know, in terms of you know at least keeping it close after a few blowout losses, and and they were able to parlay that into a win. So you know, certainly you know I think that's you know a, a good thing for you know, the team's morale. And I think specifically for the young players, you know, I think we, we've seen those freshmen start to build some momentum, uh, especially Bruce Fortin, uh, which which is big for next year because, you know, that's kind of where, you know, everybody's kind of looking at at this point. You know, I mean, the win is great. It doesn't really change anything. I mean, 
even if Ohio State wins two games this week against Maryland and Michigan State, they're still going to go into the Big Ten tournament. Having to win that tournament or that's going to be it in terms of their chances to do anything in the postseason. And so, you know, that's just kind of a reality of the situation for Ohio State right now. And, um, you know, certainly, you know, one one win does not change that. But, you know, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I came out of that Penn State game on Thursday thinking there was a very real possibility Ohio State was not going to win another game this year. And um, if, if that had been the case, things, you know, really would have looked bleak. And so, uh, you know, certainly now, you know, going into this final week of a regular season, you know, Ohio State would want to build on that. They, they, they would want to win at least one of these two games this week and, you know, at least give them something to feel good about at the end of a season. You know, that they, you know, that they didn't quit, that they kept, fighting and, and, and tried to, you know, end the year with, with some, some positive momentum that only means so much, but uh, it's better than the inverse of us talking about a 10 game losing streak right now. Yeah. Dan, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, like you just explained, but because of all the losses, it, it, it felt so much bigger, like just this this huge sigh of relief for the program because of, you know, just all the struggles they had had lost, I believe, the previous four games at home. Uh, and so there were some big moments, Dan, in, in that game in the second half. You talked about the the Bryce Sensabaugh uh, poster dunk on, on Matthew Mayer. Uh, that was a, a crazy moment, probably the dunk of the year for Ohio State, uh, probably the dunk of the last few years. I, I can't really think of a the last time. There was that that uh, nasty of a dunk for Ohio State, especially in, in a game where they needed that play. And then, Dan, you talk about the, the Bruce Thornton and one uh, a couple minutes later there that put Ohio State back up double digits down the stretch. Bruce Thornton, man, he was he's been really the most outspoken Buckeye about how much the losses have impacted him because he's you know never been through anything like this as a guy that's won at every level before college. And man, he was fired up after that and one and the crowd was behind him. And uh, it was just a great moment for the program that struggled so much. But of course, you know, it may in, in retrospect not mean much other than giving Ohio State a little boost of confidence. And, you know, Thornton, you know, as I just mentioned, he has really been the, the brightest spot for Ohio State as of late. Uh, I think 19 points against Penn State, 20 points here against Illinois. Um, he's starting to string together some really good performances as the freshmen continue to get experience here. And then I've got to say, I think just seeing the fact that they finally got over the hump that they finally put together a performance like that does give me more confidence that, you know, maybe not Michigan State just because it was such a lopsided game the first time around and it's going to be in East Lansing. But the Maryland game, which was a pretty close game the first time around at Maryland, now the Terps come to Columbus on Wednesday. I've got I've got a decent level of confidence that Ohio State can pull that one off. Yeah, I think they could. I mean, I, I'm not. I don't know what I'm gonna because we've seen this team win two two games basically in the last two months. It's 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 hard to really sit here and predict a win for this team. But I I do go into Wednesday night feeling like they've got a chance. Like I feel like, I feel like they do have a chance, and I think certainly if they could string together back to back wins, you know that would send a message at least that. You know, this team didn't quit, that this team, you know, is getting better. And again, I think, you know, again, I think the big thing is, and realistically, and, and and I don't mean this as a criticism to him because he was fighting through an injury and I think he was doing his best, but realistically, feels like Zed Key playing as much as he did with that injured shoulder was holding them back. And I, I think getting him, you know, shutting him down for the season, getting the surgery that he probably should have gotten a month ago. Uh, I think that was the best thing for him. And it feels like now 
it just feels like there's a better rhythm out there with these four freshmen starting. And that's really what should be happening for Ohio State. Because again, you look at it, it's going to be senior night on Wednesday. Justice Suing, Sean McNeil, Isaac Likely are, are going to be honored there as they play their final home games at Peshat. You know, Justice Suing still starting. You know, Sean McNeil and Isaac Likely were starters. Now they're not. I think that's the right move for Ohio State just because you've got to kind of build some momentum for the future. And so I think, you know, playing those freshmen the most, I think that's what makes the most sense for this team right now, just in terms of giving those guys more opportunities to develop. Because, you know, we mentioned it a week or two ago, you know, Chris Holtman was on the radio show and he said, you know, those guys are going to be sophomores, but they're going to be you know, more like veterans next year because of how much they played this year. And so I think really, if you just kind of look to the future of a program, you know, that's kind of a tangible goal here in these last three, whatever games you have left this year to to try to get those guys more reps and, and give those guys a good foundation going into next season. Now, as we, as we keep talking about, I mean, to me, it's like, to me, the number one question over this program right now is, does Bryce Sensabaugh enter the NBA draft? Because my optimism for what Ohio State could do next season undoubtedly be higher if Bryce Sensabaugh decides to return for another year than if he doesn't. Because, you know, I think you can see like that combination of Fortin and Sensabaugh, like those guys are starting to hit their stride. And I think, you know, if Sensabaugh leaves, I think Fortin really is becoming that guy that, you know, he, he could be the guy for the team next year. He could be the guy that they really have to build around next year. And I think, you know, you know, Akpara and Gale, I think they're both still growing more and, and there's going to be need to be more development that happens for those guys over, you know, the next off season for them to really become core players in year two. But you're seeing Fortin really start to become, you know, that guy that they can build around for the future. And then it would sure it would certainly help if they could have Bryce there to be that next year too. Yeah, Dan Bryce Sensabaugh did say that you know a, a huge reason why he came to Ohio State was to play with Bruce Bruce Thornton. We will see if that tandem you know lasts more than just one season at Ohio State. It's certainly putting up huge numbers at the moment. And, and yeah, like you mentioned, you know if Bryce Sensabaugh goes, he's he's really the only freshman that's consistently put up big numbers for Ohio State all season long. Bruce Thornton obviously has done great as of late, but he did go through a, a rough stretch there for a while. I will mention though, Dan, I was doing a podcast on Sunday with a uh, coach Howard and, and Sash Sullinger was on there. And there seemed to be more uh, sentiment that that Sensabaugh could return than I might've thought, you know, not that long ago. So who knows if that actually means much of anything, Dan, but I, I think there's a, a growing sentiment that maybe he would be, he well served to come back and really round out some of his defensive defensive deficiencies and things like that. And and Satch would know because his son was in a similar position where a lot of people thought he was going to enter the NBA draft a- after his freshman year. And, and Jared ended up coming back for another year. And so, you know, that's certainly I'm sure when coaches are talking to to Bryce, that might be an example that comes up of a guy who, you know, decided to, to stay in school for a second year. And I and I do think I do think there's a valid argument for it, because certainly defensively he still has room to grow. And I, I think right now, I don't know that Bryce is an NBA ready player because I think is, I think offensively, I think he could probably go score in the NBA right now. I think defensively uh, he, he he's got room to grow there that, you know, if he were to 
you know, if he were to enter the draft, might he need to spend some time in the G League as a rookie developing his defense? I, I think that's certainly possible. Um, so I think there is a a case for him to come back. Right now, I would have to predict that I think he will probably enter the NBA draft, but uh, I know Chris Holtman would love to have him back. Yeah, for sure. And the point that Satch was making is like everyone on the bench in the NBA can can get buckets, but a lot of them don't end up playing because they can't play defense. And, you know, then then you wonder where will he get, you know, better defensive development playing in potentially in the G League or another year at Ohio State in the Big Ten. So there's certainly a case to be made on either side there. Certainly would be great for Ohio State if he did come back, though, with the freshman class that's coming in. But Dan, how about the Ohio State women's basketball team who is going to start, you know, Big Ten tournament play this week uh, as the number four seed? Dan, just how far do you think you know, this team can go as a guy that's been watching them a little bit closer than myself. Yeah. Well, you know, it's going to be interesting because that, that first game on Friday is most likely going to be a rivalry game against Michigan, uh, who Ohio state has already beaten twice this year. Michigan is the number five seed. So as long as Michigan can get through its first game, Ohio state would play Michigan in the quarterfinals on Friday afternoon. And I'd have to say, I'd like Ohio state chances in that game, considering Ohio state has beaten Michigan both on its home floor and in Ann Arbor. And so I'd have to say I like Ohio State's chances in that game. I think the semifinal matchup is certainly a tough one for Ohio State because most likely if Ohio State beats Michigan, most likely going to face the number one seed Indiana in the semifinals. And we did see Indiana beat Ohio State pretty convincingly in in the two regular season matchups. Indiana, uh, certainly one of the best teams in women's college basketball right now. And so, you know, my prediction would be that Ohio State will win one game in the quarterfinals and then most likely lose in the semifinals. But, you know, if, if they could pull off, if they could pull off a run to the final, if they could beat Indiana uh, and, and make a run to the final of a Big Ten tournament, that would be a huge momentum boost for this team. And we have seen, you know, in the last week of a regular season, uh, Ohio State playing better basketball. They had been kind of in a, in a funk there for a while, kind of like the men's team. But, you know, played really well against Michigan, certainly had chances to beat Maryland, couldn't couldn't quite get the job done. But, you know, this was a team they had lost by, I believe, 36 points in the first matchup with Maryland and, and came back and were uh, a Cody McMahon tip uh, just after the buzzer away. Uh, from from sending that game, keeping that game going. And so that that was, you know, a, a much better performance for Ohio State over the last week. And so I think they're going into uh, Minneapolis, which was where the Big Ten Women's Tournament is this year, with some momentum. And I, and I think that, you know, I, I like their chances to win at least one game. Some news breaking right now as well, actually, as we're recording on Tuesday afternoon, uh, Cody McMahon was named the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Uh, Taylor Mikesell was named uh, First Team All Big Ten. So uh, certainly uh, congratulations are in order for them, uh, both of them having excellent seasons for Ohio State that they will look to continue in the postseason. Big things coming up for both Ohio State hockey teams. Uh, Nadine Muzzerall and company will play for their second straight WCHA final face-off title this week, Dan. The men's hockey team hosts Penn State in the quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament. Also, Dan, the wrestling team will compete for the Big Ten championship this weekend. Yeah, lots of stuff happening right now, certainly in Ohio State sports. 
Uh, certainly Ohio State women's hockey. Uh, they just won uh, the WCHA regular season t- title a couple couple weeks ago, advanced to the final faceoff. Uh, they are looking like a very real national championship contender again. Uh, men's hockey uh, having a really good season, ranked in the top 10. So we'll see what kind of run they can make in the Big Ten tournament. And and wrestling has had a, has had a pretty good year as well. They, they had you know kind of had a couple down years. Uh, you know, they, they've, they've, you know, been a lot better this year and, and looking like one of the better teams in the country. So, you know, Penn, Penn state's always tough to beat, uh, at, at the conference level. I think Penn state is certainly going to be the favorite to win, uh, the big 10 wrestling championship once again, but, uh, Ohio state, uh, you know, they, they've, uh, certainly shown the ability, uh, to compete and, you know, they've got some guys, uh, you know, certainly led by Sammy Sasso who are going to have a chance to, to win, uh, individual gold this week. Well, Dan, uh, for everybody listening out there, the next time you hear us, we will have some new Ohio State football stuff to talk about after you know the the spring schedule starts next week. So stay tuned for that uh, for sure. Yeah, thanks for joining us, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week.